Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Grange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during and after their time on the programme. Okay, so welcome to the next episode of Sausage on a Fork, and I am absolutely delighted to say that I have been joined by none other than Stephen Hammett, who played Dudley Wesker. Steve, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Hello, Neil. Thanks for having us. Not a problem. Not a problem. So what we'll do, Steve, is we'll start the, this episode the way we start every episode. And if you can tell us how you first got into acting. Uh, so I went to the Anishare Theatre with my sisters. You've probably had some people on here that have mentioned that before. You're uh-huh. probably familiar with them. They were sort of, um, sort of, I suppose, like the working class stage school for people that couldn't afford to actually go full time to your sort of Sylvia right. Youngs and Italia Contes, etc. Um, but there was a five year waiting list to get, wow. to get into it. Um, and it was literally just around the corner from me. So my mum signed me and my sisters up when we were all quite young. Right. Um, so um, I think I'd always had a bit of a flair for stuff, I think, in school plays and things, but I was uh-huh. more really into the music side of things. So I think right. my mum had always sort of encouraged us to do that. Um, and yeah, I think one day you just get a letter through the post saying you're now at the Anishare Theatre. So you just, you know, go to your weekly sessions and it was all from there, really. Yeah. And did you get much acting work from there? Uh, I did, actually. So one of the first things I did was actually, which we'll probably talk about later, was actually the reason I managed to get onto Grange Hill. But oh, one of the first things I did was, uh, was Jack and Ori. Um, so I did quite a few sort of radio plays and things like that. I did um, and, and sort of bit parts, extra work and things. I was on the bill. I had a couple of lines and stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I did, I did a... Uh, Jack and Ori, and the director at the time uh, was Philippa Langdale, right. uh, who later on sort of became a director at Grange Hill, uh-huh. and the producer was Diamond Di- Jones, who ended up becoming um, sort of the, the producer for um, for Grange Hill. Yeah. Um, and I think just just through that, they were both at the audition when I when I went for Grange Hill. But, oh, right. Yeah, I did that. Just yeah, a few little bits and pieces, some independent films and things like that. I wasn't uh-huh. you know constantly working, but yeah, certainly did a few bits before Grinchill. Yeah, and you did. There was one thing I noticed, which was a, a film for screen two called The Grass Arena. Yeah, that um, was that was one of the first ones. The cast for that looked incredible, to be honest. You know, Mark Rylance, yeah. Pete Postlethwaite, and, and Amanda Mealing was in that. I have to mention Amanda Mealing just because she was in Grange Hill in her very, very early days of her career as well. Okay, then. So, Grange Hill, so you mentioned there about, you know, there was people there who sort of knew you and and recognised yeah at your audition, so you obviously think that that obviously helped. Oh, I did a hundred percent. So I think I was I was sort of quickly starting to learn that I wasn't really so much into the acting, more into the music. Right. And I think that when you start to get into what was the group called the Young Professionals in Anishare, which are generally the ones that have, have got work, um, they're always on a Saturday. Right. And it always seemed to clash when I want to go and do things with mates and yeah. play football and do whatever else. So um, they used to have this notice board where they would put. Um, everyone that was going for a certain audition. Uh-huh. And occasionally you'd see one for Grain Shield that would have a whole load of names on it. And I think one day I was sort of, I was at one of the sessions with in two minds to think whether I wanted to stay. And I'd looked on the, the wall and saw my name wasn't on there. Um, so I went back and called the agency and just said, look, I'm not really interested in, in doing this anymore. Like, you know, it's taken up my Saturday. So they just said, look, there's a Grain audition next week. Can you go to that before you, you know, make yeah. up your mind? I was like, okay. So and it was really cool. It was done in a park, I think, over in St. James's Park or something like that. We right. all just sort of sat on the grass doing the audition. And when I turned up, Diamond Jones was there and she sort of flipped things for me. I didn't know you was here, Steve. <laughs> and they sort of took me to the side and said, well, can you read these few lines for us? Um, at the time, I was going through a bit of a, a disastrous hair phase of experimenting <laughs> with mullets and ponytails and all sorts. Um, it was quite fledgling at the time. Um, and by the time I'd got back home, they'd already called and um, asked me not to cut my hair. Yeah. Uh, and originally, it was it was only planned to be, I think, for one or two episodes. Uh-huh. So they sort of said to me, it's, it's a non-permanent character, but, you know, if you can just not cut your hair for yeah. six weeks until we get you. And I think that was um, how I ended up with that. <laughs> Because it is kindly referenced in your cues. It is one of, yeah, it is one of the, one of the <laughs> greatest Grange Hill hairstyles, it has to be said. The thing about Dudley is when, because he was only in four, you were only in four episodes in that first series, weren't you? In series, yeah, indeed, yeah. series seventy, I can't remember. Series sixteen, it was, and yeah. it was already like your your the year group that Dudley was in was already sort of established 
And I think yeah. Dudley was supposed to be already known because do you know how he's greeted when he when he first appears on screen? No, I don't. Because, I can vaguely remember what some of the first scenes were. But... Yeah, Dennis says no, Dennis says, Oh no, look who's here before Dudley's even on screen. So it's clear he was supposed to be oh, like yeah. he was supposed to be an established character in, in the school. And he and he was a bit of a comedy character. It wasn't like he, he wasn't well liked, let's be honest, was he? He was very he was very quirky and you've you've mentioned we've mentioned the hair as well and and all that obviously added to, uh, to to Dudley's character, yeah. but he yeah, was he, he he was quirky as well because you know one of the first scenes when Mister Robson was asking them to map the school out and divide it up in different ways, and and Dudley being Dudley, do you know how he divided the school up? Can you remember? Oh, no. I don't know. I remember very little from. I remember from that series as well. The source, but as soon as right. you tell me, I know I'm going to. He remember. divided it up <laughs> according to smells. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just typical Dudley, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah. He he wanted he wanted the lads to take over the running of the tuck shop because he didn't think it was fair that the girls had had it. So he yeah. took some of the uh, the food that the girls had, covered it all in in Worcester sauce, not realizing it wasn't for the tuck yeah. shop, but it was for <laughs> for the party. And, yeah, the, the writers had a lot of fun with that character. I know yeah, they did. I mean, I, yeah. I, I I loved Dudley in that first scene because he he was just he wasn't like a bully or anything. He was just he, he was one of them he was one of them kids who was really cocky and arrogant, but didn't really seem to have any reason for being like that. If you know if you know what I mean, um, you know, <laughs> putting the bird seed in Mister Parrot's register just because his name was Parrot, and then lying on his desk like it was a. <laughs> <laughs> like it was the bottom of a, a bird cage as well. The thing with that is that all led to sort of Lauren getting in trouble both times on that one. And Dudley wouldn't own up to it, Dudley being Dudley, obviously. But when the kid started writing a, a petition to get him sacked because of the way she was treating Lauren, and Lauren got nicked with that as well, Dudley took the petition and hid it in his trousers. <laughs> so that so that if the petition didn't exist, basically, Lauren couldn't get in any more trouble. And Lauren wouldn't Lauren, Lauren wouldn't get in trouble for it disappearing because she wasn't in the room when it disappeared. And he said, It's the least I can do. It's my fault she, she's getting in trouble anyway. And you think, all right, so he has got a bit of a nice side to him. So that that one there sort of sticks out vividly to me, um, because that was one of the odd occasions where quite often you used to encounter fans and people sitting on a train coming through North London and I was approached by a gang of kids that were saying to me, You like you you better like tell Mr. Parrot what happened and actually, like, it was a, I was like, I explained to him it was like a TV show yeah. and just said, Look, just keep watching, right? Well, <laughs> right. Me, keep watching. I mean that that actually that, that leads us on to a, a question I've got. So you know we do the guest to guest uh, competition and Every week, I say it's a competition. It's just a way for people to try and guess yeah. who it is. But if you yeah. the first person that gets it right gets to ask a question, and the question I've had by someone on Facebook, and his name Major Lindley, and it's the second time that he's actually got it, and it just leads on nicely with what you're saying there. It, it, did you have to wait until sort of the day of transmission to see the episodes? going out or did you uh, did you ever get to watch them backstage no you didn't get to watch them before no not at all uh, i mean to, uh, to be honest i didn't really watch a lot of them i, I don't i really sort of at the time was quite uncomfortable watching myself on screen so right. i know that some some of the things you're going to mention and some of the things i'm going to remember i'm not even 100 <laughs> yeah. percent sure they made it into the program because right. they, they experimented with that character a lot right. doing, doing quirky stuff but no i mean it used to come out in april i think it was and that's when everyone would would watch it you never got to right. see it beforehand right. but i used to repeat it again in september you'd get yeah. the the repeat of the series, but they stopped that shortly uh, before I left, I think. But did you ever? Yeah, no, no, nobody gets a preview. But did you ever sort of like? Did you like critique yourself watching it? Not really. No, I just no, wouldn't watch it. I just, I just, cool. I just wouldn't watch it. I mean, you would, um, you would sort of. It was um, a natural thing that whenever you shot a scene, everyone would rush and look at the screen to see how it was recorded. So right, you'd get to see yeah. your, your scene as it was shot, but actually seeing it all stitched together. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I, think at the time I would have cringed so hard I probably wouldn't have gone back <laughs> to doing it. Um, and had you been a fan of Grangel before Andley? Um it was I mean it's an iconic show, right? I think it's you're always aware that it's on. Yeah. I think, you know, you had that kind of window of between three and five o'clock on a weekday, which was the only time kids programs yeah. came on, you know, and it was and it when it was on, it was one of those things. But I'm not um I, I really I don't watch a lot of T V programs now. I never really have. But it was right. it was a thing that was always aware was was on yeah. and you kinda of knew the characters and the 
you know the big storylines and things and um I suppose as a child actor, that's kind of the zenith, right? You're thinking, yeah. if I'm going to do something, it's got to be Grand Shield. Yeah. Right? Either that or Biker yeah. Grove was a bit too far for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Would have been quite a commute, I imagine, to get to that <laughs> yeah. one. Like, so so you, you said there were only four episodes and you weren't really expecting to be in the next series then? After that, series. no, I think they'd, they'd said they'd said that it was only going to be temporary. But you always had this sort of ceremony thing towards the end, uh, where they would kind of sit down and tell you whether your character was coming back next year. And I was kind of half expecting not to. Uh, in fact, they kind of gave me up because the day of the last, uh, the day of the last shoot, um, where they had the, the end of year party, uh-huh. first thing I did was ran to the barbers around the corner and got that money <laughs> chopped off. And uh, they they went quite mad because they kind of want just in case I've got a reshoot scenes and things like right, that. But I I thought, get, yeah. well, you know, you, you said I weren't coming back, so I weren't going to keep any longer <laughs> than I had to. Um, but no, they said Albert oh, Barber really likes the character. They said we're thinking of like we could bring you back next year. It would be a sort of smaller part, but you know, yeah, he likes the character. So they said just you know stay available. I think the time you're still sort of working within those forty odd days a year or whatever you could do when you were a child. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, and I think shortly after they, I mean, we start. I think we started filming and rehearsing about April, but it was early in the year. They said yeah, they wanted to come back for the first block. Which was they used to sort of shoot, um, rehearse for, and film for. That's how right. they used to sort of structure the year. Yeah. So yeah, they sent me a few scripts, and I think I had a couple of lines. I think may have been in the first, first four. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was when Stephen Andrew came along, who was I think he 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 became the, the producer. But at the time, he was the director and probably the favourites of most of the cast. Right. And he absolutely loved the character. He was a real fan of comedy. And he was one that sort of really encouraged me not to be self-conscious or just lean into it. Just find like those sort of characters like trigger and rodney and yeah Screech from Saved by the bell and those kind they said just, yeah. just just lean right into it you know um and he was always a huge advocate for the character brilliant um, and that, that must be something yeah. when you know you've got you've got that back and behind you like that must that must be great that said though i think the second year was the first year that they said yes you're definitely coming back next year um the year after that they said they wasn't sure <laughs> and then they changed their mind the year after that they said they didn't want it and then they changed their mind and I think the last <laughs> year I said I wasn't coming back and then they convinced me to come back so it was never it was never certain yeah all right so so then you did move on you did come back for year nine series 17 and there was all that thing with like the drama group was there and you know they were doing Romeo and Juliet and all the lads being very sort of laddish weren't they but then all the lads left because of the after the improvisation scene went wrong, which then all led to, you know, the Jessica assault and things. And am I right in oh, thinking yeah. that when that was filmed, the lads didn't actually know who was going to be named as the as the one that had done the groping? Is that right? Yeah, I think nobody knew. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, well, I, I, I say that, um, like I say, we used to get the, the, the um, scripts before episodes at a time uh-huh. so we'd rehearse those and film those uh some of them were incredibly disciplined and read the whole scripts a lot of others would like us just flicked through and found your name and highlighted them and yeah. stuff so i think those that actually read the scripts depending on what blocks they spanned over probably did know if you'd read them all but right. i like a lot of others just just read our own parts. <laughs> okay um there's this there's a scene in that in in that series where you know the 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 comedy side, the, the quirky side of Dudley comes out where Dudley's looking in a bin and the girls, yeah. uh, Rachel asks him what he's doing and he just says, I'm recycling. When he pulls out a chocolate bar and eats it. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, Dud, Dudley's known for that. Dudley's like sort of, when people talk about Dudley, the people said to people say like, you know, well, he was the one who was always looking in the bins. But... He wasn't really. I think it happened a few times, but it wasn't like it was like a constant thing where he, he was always doing it. Like, yeah, I think as I say, there were some that we shot that didn't always make it in, right. uh, and I seem to remember quite a few. That one there was like was particularly well known. That's one everyone always commented yeah. on. Um, I actually asked them to stop making me <laughs> uh, and they, they kindly agreed. But one of the <laughs> one of the girls says, "You're gross, Dudley," and he just says, "I know." <laughs> and walks off, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I, love, I love all that. Like, but um, he was going just going back to that thing of um, the, the thing, the thing with Jessica as well. Dudley was convinced that she was lying. You'd hear him say that to the lads. She, she's lying about what's happened, and 
and all that. And I suppose it's one of them things that Grangeville did really well. You know, it, it covered like a sensitive topic like that, but it also showed sort of like the attitudes of people yeah. as well. And, and you know, when um, when Amy Phillips was on, who played Jessica, she said, you know, it, it, it showed that so many girls don't want to report abuse and don't want to take abuse further because they're scared of the fact that they're not going to be believed. And, and I just, it was one of those yeah. things that was done really well. They do in particular, they could get away with things like with Dudley because I remember some other lines as well where he'd said things that were, you know, yeah. quite insensitive. But I think he he um he had that sort of level of quirkiness about him that I just don't think he was self-aware or, yeah. or aware of others. So you could yeah. sort of get away with saying some things like that. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting if they were to have that character now, they would probably have a bit more of a sort of focus on maybe the underlying issues of Dudley, like some of the sort of potential neurodivergence. Yeah. I think he clearly was, you know, not, not, not like the others. But yeah. yeah, he certainly had this sort of insensitive way of just saying stuff. Yeah, he had sort of like no filter really, did he? Do you know what I mean? And, and like yeah. uh, when when Mrs. Keel collapsed in the class and Dudley uh, told everyone that Anna Wright was to blame and started chanting head killer in the middle of the playground, which it, it was Anna Wright. Do you know what I mean? And and like although she was younger than Dudley, she 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 could handle herself uh, as Dudley found yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm guessing Jenny Long who played on it. I'm guessing she didn't actually make proper contact with him when she did it, like because she knees him. Not that I remember. <laughs> but yeah, I just remember you know when you watch that and you're just thinking, yeah, mate, you, you're a lot bigger than her. But let's be honest, it's Anna Wright, and she's probably going to let you know what yeah. she thinks of you in a minute. Like, and then there was all all that thing with the, with the play. Dudley and Dennis sneaked into the hall to watch the girls do the play. They hid under the stage blocks. And I love that because it, it sort of, it carries on over two episodes as well. It was sort of like left on like a cliffhanger of what they were going to do to get out. Dennis took more of the rap for, than Dudley did for that one in the end. It was one of the few times I think where, where yeah. Dudley sort of uh, got away with, with things a little bit. Dudley never seemed bothered by the fact that they were going to get, ever get caught. But the girls did find out that, it, well, that it was uh, Dennis. But the girls still put their play on. They yeah. couldn't put it on in the school, but they went to the park to do it. Um, that. But... Yeah, when we shot that scene, so um, I remember us being under the boxes. Um, yeah. And it was right before lunch when they first shot it. Right. And I remember there were some bits where, where Dennis and I are both speaking to each other through the holes in the, yeah. in the boxes. And um, they put us underneath and put all the stuff on top and then just called lunch and went out and left us. <laughs> Right, obviously, as as like a prank, I and mean, when they come back and took all the stuff off and just said, "No, look, seriously, we've got one take with this." Like so, wow. you know, once you stand up and it all smashes. So when we actually shot it, the moment I stood up because I've been underneath there waiting so long, I I got like headed and nearly fainted. <laughs> right. So where I had the light, I just like yeah, and I had to stop and it took ages to recalibrate it and go to the shop and buy a load more stuff to put on there. But yeah, it was, uh, oh. I will not remember that one vividly for obvious reasons. <laughs> so then the girls end up in the park. And they did their play, and it was about sexism and what how they thought the lads' attitudes to girls were, and and totally sort of justified them doing the play because as they start off, Dudley was watching and shouts, "Get him off!" Uh, in the play, and then starts chanting, "Off, off!" So he gets grabbed up by Julie Corrigan, and they say to him, "Well, we'll take our clothes off if you take your clothes off." And Dudley sort of goes with his tail between his legs, so to speak, and uh, and goes and sits back down, which again just sort of showed the fact that you know he was he what he was all front, wasn't he? You know he he had that sort of thing where, as I say, yeah. he was quite arrogant and smug, but without any sort of real reason to be like that. Yeah, and probably had some sort of, you know quite ignorant misogynist type <laughs> ideals that you might have had at those ages. But, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And now. Also in that series, and this is the this was the main thing that I remember Dudley for. And you know, when when you think of all the things of Dudley, whether it's the ones I remember him for, I don't know. But it's when he joins the choir, and <laughs> he tells Mister Manyaki, the choir master, that he didn't sing like anyone else, <laughs> which was really really true, because when he sang, he was really flat, he was really out of tune, and he described himself as vocally challenged. No, don't take this the wrong way. But <laughs> but was that your actual singing voice? No, actually. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I could do when I was younger was was carry a tune. Actually, I think right. that's probably when early on people, particularly my mum, has thought I'd, I'd had a flair for that sort of thing. Uh -huh. So I actually find it quite difficult to. 
think when I did it first of all, I remember it was so over the top that it just seemed like it was stupid, and yeah. I actually had to have someone say, "No, you have to kind of be flat and just sing off off key." But yeah, no, I, I like to think I can sing at least fifty percent of the notes. <laughs> um, right, I think nowadays, but because it's it, it's weird, you know, because I for years had in my head the line, um, "Will you buy any milk today, mistress?" But not sung in there, and I couldn't remember. <laughs> Genuinely, I couldn't remember where I where it got it from. Until one day, I just happened to uh, revisit that episode, and I was like, "That's where it's from. <laughs> That's where it's from." We we saw, we also see signs of Dudley's sort of you know the fact that he didn't always think about what he was saying and stuff when he was paired with Rachel in a tennis lesson. Now, Rachel, as we know, was played by uh, Francesca Martinez, and obviously, and. Dudley says, why have I got to play with her? She can't even hit the ball back to me. And you know, and you just think that's that's like a that's shocking for for someone to be saying. But again, it was the type of thing Dudley would say, and it was the type of thing that Grangeel did, showing the fact that it wasn't that because with yeah. Dudley, I don't think it was a prejudice. He was just sort of speaking his mind, but there were there were these prejudices, and one there still are, these prejudices around. There, there are, and I think I mean in the, the field that I work in, I work with some of the most talented people are on the sort of autistic spectrum disorder. Uh-huh. And I think you sort of said that thing there about quality filter, but sometimes it is you just, you think it, you say it. Yeah, right? yeah. And it is, there is no, there's no sort of empathy or, you know, these are things yeah. that kind of have to be trained in, but it's, that's what, that's what I said. I think, I think nowadays if they looked at him, they would probably put a bit more yeah, focus on that element of him, I think. But then, and then Dudley was then put in his place again by Rachel when they had that, that computer tennis Tournament. Oh right, yeah. Which oh, was, was great. I, I said this to Kevin Bishop when he was on. It just seemed like a bizarre thing <laughs> to do anyway, because they were always looking for someone, somewhere to do it. But then obviously Rachel beat Dudley in that, and like as I say, properly put him in his place on that one. Yeah. So, so then I have to say that um, Francesca and I and Natalie, rest in peace. Um, we were a deadly combination on set for calls. Yeah, because I think, <laughs> I think. Francesca would start me off or I'd start her off. And then once we started laughing, that was it. We used to get in so much trouble. But it's one of those things you genuinely can't help, right? Yeah. Once you start. But I think there's barely a scene that Francesca and I were in together that that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> so who would you say were sort of your best friends then on the programme? Um, I, I genuinely think we all got along. I mean, it was a little bit similar to how it would be at school where, you know, the children were playing sort of, you know, people roughly their same age. So you kind of had your your older group, like your sort of Rachel Roberts and Kelly George and those sort of people that are always friendly and welcoming. But I think the the, the, the cast that were the year that, that you were in, I mean, we spent so much time together. I think a lot of us travelled in on coaches together. Uh-huh. I generally don't think there was any animosity between any, any people there at all. I mean, right. there'd be a bit of bickering, but um, no, I think we were, we were all good friends, really. Yeah. I think I, I don't know that anyone stands out. I think even quite a few of them we'd meet up and you know do stuff outside of filming, but we were quite sort of geographically dispersed. Right. <laughs> I think particularly when I started doing Grand Chiles in London, but then I moved out to, to Essex, so we were all quite far away. But um, but no, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm remiss now. I don't think I stay in touch with many people on Grand Chiles. I think in the days of Facebook, I was friends with nearly all of them, but I'm, right. I'm not on there anymore. Um, but right. um, no, I think I think we all we all just got on well. I mean, I mean, naturally, sort of Jamie and Alan and I were always in the bulk of scenes together, and we generally had to share a dressing room. So. Uh-huh. I'd say out of, out of any of them, it was probably those two guys because right. we just spent so much time together. But no, I think we've all got along. Cool. Okay, so if we move on then to Series 18, which went out in 1995. And the one big thing about this series, now it doesn't really affect Dudley's character, but uh, an actress had started in Year 7 called Laura Hammett. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... You know, for people that don't know, obviously your your younger sister. Yeah. What was it like having hair on the set all of a sudden? Uh, we were rarely in any scenes together. I think yeah, I can think of one or two. Um, and I think by the time that she had joined, when you kind of hit that that age sixteen mark, you then start to get your own dressing room. Right. Whereas the kids more sort of. So I think she was starting at the time that I was moving into into getting the own dressing room and stuff. Uh-huh. So we'd see her in rehearsals and things like that. But it was. Great for me because I think the other thing when you get to sixteen, you've got to fund your own way to get into into work. But Laura used to get sent to cab, so any days we would end up in cab with her. And and actually, fortunately, um, just around the corner from us where we moved was the other brother and sister, or another brother and sister, Harrington Granger, which was Belinda and Dave Crane. So oh, yeah. they, they both did about five minutes around the corner. All so right. yeah, we'd, 
So Laura joining was actually quite handy, yeah, because we'd all jump in our camp. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. You were in year 10 by this point, and in the first scene, Julie Corrigan is camping, the first scene Dudley's in, Julie Corrigan's camping on the school field to protest a road going to get getting built through. And again, Dudley, this is one scene where we do see Dudley back in the bins, finding a prawn sandwich, and eating it. And Julie's like, "Don't be eating that! Don't be eating that!" And, and he, he eats it anyway because he, he's Dudley, and and that's and that's what he does. Now there was also uh, uh, the girls had a rugby match in that episode, and some of the lads dressed as cheerleaders, and I believe you were one of them. <laughs> Now that one's not ringing a bell, but you, sure. you, you may well have blanked that one out. That one deep down. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was watching it the other day. Uh, I was I'm sure I'm sure he must be in that because it seemed to be all the lads were all from different years, and it seemed to be all sorts of like your, your main players uh, who were who were dressed in it, dressed up. But I couldn't see, I couldn't see Dudley. But it was in another seat, another episode later on. They went, so oh, there's that picture. Remember that when you dressed up as a cheerleader last year and there was a photograph? So obviously, obviously, you were there as that one. And in that series, Lucy had decided to produce a fact sheet for teenagers in the local area, just with different things that they wanted to do. And Dudley decided he wanted it should have a lonely heart section in because Dudley had become infatuated. <sighs> With a girl called Dawn. I remember this one, yeah. And he was a little bit unlucky in love, Dudley, throughout the years, wasn't he? And <laughs> what I love about that, he gives his advert to Dennis because Dennis and Josh are going to help out Lucy with, with producing the fact sheet. And he gives his advert to Dennis and, and Dennis said, What's this? He says, You want to meet a radishing girl? <laughs> I just think that, that's good. <laughs> a radishing girl. Like, but, but again, typical Dudley. Dennis and Josh put the entry in. Dennis gives the, this fact sheet to Dawn, and you see uh, Dudley crossing his fingers, but also crossing his legs in, in, in the hope that it'll get there. And Don't I specifically you... remember those were the ones that were directed by Stephen Andrew, and we had so much fun doing that. Yeah. He, he did so much tried to bring the comedy out of every moment with Dudley, which uh, he was yeah, he was great. On the advert, it said about replying to Box 21. So the girl Dawn goes to the toilet, so uh, Dudley follows her. And puts just puts this like a shoebox with twenty one, <laughs> so just leaves it outside. And at the end of the day, the box is gone, and Dudley sees Dawn talking to a lad who she assumes is the one that's put the advert in, and the lad doesn't deny it <laughs> and walks off with Dawn. Like because Dawn was a bit of a environmentalist, Dudley wants to know more about this, more more about it. And Julie Corrigan at this point was in a living in a squat. Uh, with with a, with a lot of a lot of other environmentalists, they were protesting against a road widening scheme. So Dudley decides he wants to find out more about that, so he'll have something in common with Dawn to talk about. Uh, and he goes to the squat, and the protesters are, are staying in this squat. But as Dudley's there, it's when all like the JCBs and the diggers and everything That's arrive, great. and it just seems chaos. That scene was it chaos. <laughs> It, was that the one where I, where I rescued the cat? Rescued the cat, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so we we did um some of the filming was done in a kind of derelict building that was I think somewhere like North Acton or something like that it was right. it was in a sort of west uh, of London, um and it was a sort of derelict. That's where they did a lot of the inside filming, but the outside bit was all done on the Elstree film lot. And right. I remember doing that, and I remember actually bringing one of my friends was there that day to watch the filming of it. Um, and it was really good, apart from that cat was just not compliant at all. <laughs> to the point where I had to put fishing wire around its collar and around oh. me. And this thing was just, the, the scratches afterwards was unbelievable. The thing clawed the hell out of me. But, yes, I remember that one. <laughs> well, yeah, because Dudley's running off as the JCBs arrive, but then he remembers the cat, so he runs back to get yeah. it. And then the next day, he was uh, sort of acting all injured and... And, and that dawn was there, and obviously he's milking a story about how yeah. he got injured saving the cat. And Dawn seems really impressed with Dudley, and you think he's getting somewhere. And then all of a sudden, this older lad turns up with his arm around Dawn, and so and and does that classic thing of calling Dudley by the wrong name 
and calling them Dougie, just that little bit of undermining, mm. just to uh, just 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 to push it that little bit further. Yeah. They walk off then, and the girls are talking about the the lad that dawns with you know the fact that he's older and he's handsome and all that. But Dudley Dudley couldn't understand why she fancied that lad and didn't fancy Dudley. He he, he couldn't get his head around it at all. But then that lonely hearts column sort of took off a little bit there. And he was involved with Dennis and Josh doing the Lonely Hearts column. But it was weird because, like, nowadays, if it was to happen, everyone would have sort of their own username on it. And yeah. but, but on that yeah. one, they made the names up. And Dudley accidentally gives two people the same name of Sexy Sadie. And it all gets a bit classic Grange Hill comedy where people are getting matched with the wrong people and... You know, Robin was matched up with the, with James Arnold, and there was a, a lad in the year twelve who should have been probably should have been matched with Robin was matched with a much younger girl, and there was all sorts of uh, things happened from that because the girl's mum rang the school, told the school, and the lad who was in year t- in year twelve stopped Dudley and nicked his shirt, took his shirt off him basically, and Dudley's walking around oh, and stayed the rest of the episode. In just a blazer and tie. So on that, they actually wanted to take, take the whole lot. They wanted to just leave me with nothing on top, and right. I refused to do it. So we, we compromised on just the shirt. The physics of that is just unusual, right? How do you yeah. shirt leave on the tie? <laughs> the, and blazer? the tie's still fastened. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that that happened to Dudley, I felt like that was quite unfair on Dudley because he wasn't really. Sure, the two who were more sort of involved than than Dudley was. I think he was just a victim of circumstance there. He just happened to. Uh, to be there at, at the time. Yeah. It was surely more, more to do with uh, Dennis and Josh than, than Dudley. But another thing that happened coming from all that was when Dudley had been to the squat, there was photographs taken of Dudley entering the squat. But the treatment officer wanted something done about it because the photos were sent to the school. But that never really seemed to go anywhere, that storyline. It was like, we need to do something about this. But then it, it, it just didn't seem yeah. to... So nothing, nothing really happened to Dudley over that. But the big thing, I think, the biggest thing that happened in that series was obviously um, the HIV storyline. Um, yeah. And and Lucy's mum had died from HIV. And before that, there'd been a bit of a HIV awareness workshop, which see, it started off quite like everyone seemed to be taking it quite seriously. But then Dudley and his mates just started messing about. But it was quite graphic, that that episode, I thought. Because, you know, they were showing things like putting condoms on, on cucumbers and stuff like that. And again, you know, we always say the fact that Grange Hill dared to do that sort of stuff on a kids' TV programme was brilliant. Yeah, I think they were always pushing the boundaries. I remember that one in particular. They did actually bring experts in and do these workshops with the whole cast. Um, in preparation but, for this, so we actually yeah. went through all that that stuff beforehand. I think also to, I suppose, try and help to add to the emotion of uh-huh. you know what, what what people deal with that go through that stuff. So it was, yeah. I mean, they'd prepared all that quite well. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the Granger did try and push the boundaries. I think a lot of stuff probably didn't did end up on the editing room floor, to be honest, because they sometimes might have gone a bit too far. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of always was reaching that point. I found. That you know, to try and get to where they wanted to be, or kind of compete with the the type of format of show they were going for, or even to stick with the same fans that followed it for years, it was going to have to yeah. become one of those late night shows. And I think then something like Waterloo Road came along. And yeah, I thought, you know what? That's that's what Grangeville could have become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but so as as we said, there, Lucy's mum died, and that though the follow the subsequent episode episodes there showed sort of the ignorance around HIV. Certainly at the time, there was a lot more because it wasn't as well known, you know, and there was a lot more ignorance around. And there was things where, which I never quite understood this. They did a follow-up lesson to the HIV awareness workshop. Knowing Lucy was in there and knowing that her mum had died from HIV. And it just seemed like a daft thing anyway to do. Yeah. Because in, in the middle of it, Lucy walks out and it was when that lad Dean sort of realises um, that Lucy's mum must have had something to do with a death must have had something to do with HIV and Dean told people that Lucy's mum had died of AIDS and then D- Dudley then told Dennis and Dennis 
went for him. Um, I remember that one. And there was a, 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 he attacked them. Was there much choreography involved in, in that fight scene? <laughs> um, we rehearsed it a couple of times. I think I remember Nigel, who was a director at the time, was sort of laughing at how much fun we were having with it because we were, right. you know, Dennis, I think Alan and I were trying to sort of plan it as if it was going to be some you know, Hollywood staged <laughs> kind of choreographed fight. I think what we agreed was is that we just have a bunch of boxes on the floor. We just grab each other and just go for it. And I think that was it really. One take, right. uh, yeah, threw a throw over table with a bunch of empty boxes on the other side. But, uh, I, think, I think we had we had delusions of doing something a bit more, <laughs> um, a bit more choreographed at the time. Yeah. But no, that was it. Like like a Stallone or something like that, like yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But it, it was really good though those episodes because it did sort of, it did highlight the ignorance and people's attitudes towards it. Even though Lucy's mum had contracted HIV through a blood transfusion that she'd had years before, but it still sort of showed the fact that people were ignorant and didn't really know how to handle the situation, and people wouldn't like get in this swimming pool with her and. And stuff, and again, it was just one of those things that Grange Hill did really well. I thought. I think so. Yeah, I mean, that, that did seem to be the general attitude at the time. I mean, I remember some of the sports teams that I follow when it was um, uncovered that certain players had HIV, the team refused to play with them, and yeah. around the locker room, and all those sorts of things. So I think there was a lot of a lot of uncertainty as well. The sort of difference between HIV and AIDS. Yeah, as Grange always did. I think they tackled it in t- tackled it in a really helpful way. Mm-hmm. Now. In that series, you were only in seven episodes in that one. Is there any reason for that one? Um, no, I think the character always was a sort of, I suppose, like a supporting role. So, right. I mean, there were sometimes they'd give Dudley a, a, a big part, but I think a lot of time I found myself going into film just to be in the background. Right. Okay. You know, I know the ones that I don't remember. I think I got quite nostalgic listening to some of the early episodes of this and sort of decided to go and look through some of the old ones on Grange Hill and on YouTube. And I was looking for it thinking, I, just, I don't remember filming this. I just don't <laughs> remember doing it. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, some of them, I would go in some blocks where I would I would be there, but only as a background character. Right. So I, I'm not sure if you get a credit in the episode if you, right. um, okay. if you don't speak. Right. But there were probably a note that I was in that just didn't talk. It's okay. All right. So then, if we move on then to series nineteen, and Dudley was in year eleven at this point, and there's a bit where there's a lad who's got this big flash jacket on. He's been on an, been on an exchange to the USA, which I thought was an incredible story. Anyway, and Dudley asks him if he'd been to Chicago or New York because they were the only two places that he knew. Of in America, apart from Baywatch, and then that all sort of really ridiculous scheme sort of happened. Then where I mentioned this to when when I when Alan Cave was on the fact that this is when Jessica was suffering with me and was going to be staying with her aunt in California. So Dennis decides, well, we can get Jessica to send us clothing from America and we can sell it and you only just think lad shut up and <laughs> you just think it, <laughs> but it's a typical Grain Jill sort of uh, money making thing but so Dudley Dudley Dennis and Josh go to see Jessica and no, even knowing how ill she is they still put this put this ridiculous scheme forward to her and it's only when uh, Arnie comes in and says look what are you doing you shouldn't be doing this she's clearly not well that they decide to leave and it's a it's it's a really nice scene, and it's it's obviously the scene was made for Arnie to show the fact that he started believing that that Jessica was really ill because he he'd been calling her on on faking the whole time. But you know when you just watch it and you just think, oh my god, what are the what are these idiots up to here? Like, so then they then decide, Dennis decides, well, what we can do is we can get stuff from the market, so we put transfers on it, and no one will ever know the difference. So they do that. And but this time it was Dudley who had the crisis of conscience, saying, "This is a moral list. We sh- we can't be telling people it's all come coming from America when we've been making it ourselves." And he also said something's going to go wrong, just as Dennis patted Josh on the back, and all the letters that they'd stuck on the jacket all fell off, which again typical <laughs> typical Grange <laughs> Now, do you remember what Dudley wanted to be? When he left school, 
I think I do. Go on. Did he say was it did he say he wants to be a dentist? He did say he wants to be a dentist. Yeah. He, he started telling everyone he wants to be a dentist and he was saying, Look, I've got twelve fillings and started showing his his fillings to everyone. And yeah. in in that, that series, there was a thing because uh, Fiona Wade was in a, a joint now who played Joanna Day. And someone had been taking pictures of, of Joanna. Dudley told Josh that he fancied Joanna, and it just seemed too obvious for it to be Dudley who'd be the one that was thrown. It was like this big mystery, and because Joanna thought it was one of the workmen who'd been working in the school, but then she saw some photographs on a notice board, and it said photographs by Dudley, and she realised they were the same type of photographs that had, she'd been, that had been left of her, and then she... She ran after she found Dudley and told him that she he was the biggest creep that she'd ever met, which I, I think was a bit harsh because it was just it was Dudley trying to be romantic, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was romantic. Yeah. It, it, it really, really, really was. And he then decides to leave, leave her alone, leave girls alone, and he decided he'd go to chess club instead. Now, could you play chess? <laughs> did you play chess at the time? Like, I, I could actually, yeah. I did. I, I wasn't very good. Uh, um, I did. I think even at one point, I did go to chess club at my school. Right. Um, yeah, I could play. I learned to play. Do you remember what happened with the chess club storyline in Grange Hill? <sighs> I don't know. This one's even that whole photograph thing is just <laughs> very vague. So. The chess club, it starts off and it's really well attended. Like, there's loads of people there. But Dudley's playing this young girl and she's taking ages or he's saying she's taking too long over a move. And then he says that girls shouldn't be allowed to play chess. And it should it should be men only, not boys only. It should be men <laughs> only. And the next time we see the chess club, Dudley's the only one there. And Laurie comes in and she says to him, I'll play it. He went, no, you won't. No girls allowed. And you know, and you just think you're there. You want to play chess. Someone's coming off at you. But because she's a girl, you don't want to know. And then we move on from that. And there's a bit, because there was a storyline of bullying amongst the younger kids uh, going on at the time. So Dudley and Josh go to the sessions to learn to become like sort of confront the bully counsellors. And do you remember what happens in this one? So if I give you a little bit at the start, Dudley and Josh ask Miss Carver to sit on a chair and pretend that she's the bully and they're going to be the councillors. Right, no, this one's so, really Sorry. It's <laughs> what they do is they say, we're going to do a role play. And Dudley's, Dudley's got a torch. And he basically shines it in Miss Carver's eyes as she's the bully. They're the counsellors, but they're basically being good cop and bad cop because he said, he's, "Oh, I do remember that." Yeah, because they think it'll, it'll make it easier for the bully to crack. Yeah. And it's like that—you've really got the wrong end of the stick of what you're meant to be doing here, lads. <laughs> um, surprisingly, Dudley doesn't get to become a counsellor in this one, <laughs> but, but Josh does, and. There was a musical going on. The musical of Greece was going on at oh, the time. And Dudley wasn't in the musical, surprisingly, because obviously, as we'd learned a couple of years earlier, he was vocally challenged. But he wanted to be involved with the, the scenery and the artwork because there, at the time there was a graffiti artist that had been tagging the school and, and Dudley seemed to really like that. You know, he said that basically if this graffiti artist went commercial, he could probably make a bit of a fortune. And no one really took him seriously when he wanted to help paint the scenery and he just had them sort of shifting stuff around. I think in a, in a way for people to sort of try and take his art seriously, Dudley broke into the school or the school grounds overnight and got on the builders, the, the lift outside the building. Yeah, I remember this one. And then he started tagging at the building but then the, the lift broke and he was basically stuck there overnight 
and it basically everyone just assumed he was that graffiti artist Shine. I think the graffiti artist was called. Oh. But Dudley is adamant that he's not he's not Shine. He's not the graffiti artist, and he wanted to tag it but couldn't. But do you remember what happened from there? Um. I mean, this was the one with. I think didn't he get stuck in the cradle overnight or something? He like got that. stuck was, in the lift. Then, when Mister Robson yeah. spoke to him, he was then yeah, expelled from the school, basically. Oh, right, yeah. Mister Robson, okay, yeah, yeah. Robson said all the and the evidence did point to Dudley. Um, now filming that scene, I'm guessing you weren't left out overnight. They didn't do a prank on you like they did with the stage blocks. No. On this one, like <laughs> no, no, we had like a little harness <laughs> thing attached to it, but yeah, no, yeah. Just shot that one in one go, I think. Cool. Okay. So then Dudley was expelled. Mr. Robinson said he didn't know what he'd be able to do about the sixth form. And Dudley maintained even to his mates that he hadn't he wasn't the graffiti artist. He'd wanted to do something, but he hadn't got round to doing it because the way the lift had, uh, had broken. And so all his mates are there in the park with him. And he says to him, he says, You've done nothing but take the mick out of me during my time here, which is probably justified. To be honest, and that, but they'd probably be glad to see the back of him. But then they presented him with his own sort of personalised yearbook. Now you yeah. mentioned you've mentioned this earlier earlier on. Where are you supposed to leave then? I think at that point, yeah, I think that was was that the series before the last one, was it? So the, you you had two in sixth form. This is the one before you joined the yeah. sixth form. Yeah, so that was yeah, that's where I think I just had I'd had enough of doing right. the role. I wasn't planning on coming back the next year. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and I think they decided, yeah, they would, they would write, it out, write the character out. Okay. But then when the next series came around, they were in sixth form and Dudley was there. So obviously so, so, something had changed somewhere because you were, you were back in there. Yeah, they, they'd called me and asked. Yeah, they called me and asked to come back. And I think at the time I was around about 18 or 19. So I sort of began to think that the, the, the quirkiness of the character was all most I was I wasn't having a good time outside of right. filming. A lot of the approaching that you get from yeah. fans wasn't pleasant. Um and I just felt it wasn't wasn't really worth it. And I was quite getting to DJing at the time as well. Then, oh, so, right. okay. Um I just let's let's I said let's just sort of part ways. Um and then they'd contacted me in between I think it ending and it starting to say would I reconsider? Right. And I just said to him, look, I don't mind as long as we we don't we can sort of drop out the the really stupid stuff like yeah. from pins and you know these kind of things and i think they said they'd have a, had a plan with which you'll probably come on to with it where it was going to be a bit more around his sort of relationship and showing empathy from sort of yeah. dennis and it was going to be a lot more you know a bit, a bit less dudley although it'd be the sort of quirky purple crush velvet suits and whatnot <laughs> at the parties but yeah they were going to do a bit less of the right. wanting to make it just a little bit mature a bit in that series yeah. so I just, and, they, and they said it wouldn't be one that you was going to be sort of heavily needed but we would like to finish the story off so I just said right. yeah no problem cool. um, you were part of Dennis Josh and Dudley all had motorbikes yeah. could could you already ride the motorbike no Grainshaw actually so Alan Alan did Alan used right. to come in from from work on his on his coming coming to work on his bike um, which I think is probably what kicked that storyline off right okay um, but both Jamie and I got sent to do our compulsory basic training. So we both got our sort of basic moped licenses. Grange paid for it. Um, right. We both got on the same day. So, yeah. But it was useful because I, I rode a moped for a couple of years after that. Yeah. Break, that? And the other thing that was not really noticeable in that series was uh, another new hairstyle. The, yes. the bleach blonde, the Robbie Fowler, if we can if we can call it that. The bleach blonde hair. Your idea, I'm, I'm guessing again. Um no, so they they we had another one we compromised on. So they wanted to. I think I always had a bit of a, a weird hairstyle, didn't I? I had the mullet in the yeah. first series and that kind of bold step. And the nineties curtains. That. But that's it. The nineties <laughs> curtains, yeah. But they wanted um, their idea was to have it so that it was bleach blonde, but you know, completely shocking and spiky and right. all over the place. Um, so I agreed to go and have the 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 hair blue. Each, which yeah. they paid for, um, and when they started experimenting with different styles, and I just said that it's not, the, yeah, into that. So I, I, I said, can we just have, can we just have the bleached hair be a step far enough? Yeah. I think we all agreed that was the easiest way. But yeah, and actually, yeah, it used to become a tradition after that for a couple of years that I'd bleach my hair in the summer. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned there about the going to the party with the the suit on and all that. Yeah. But he wasn't allowed in, even though he brought a bottle, and it was a vodka bottle, but it had water in it. Mm. Um, and that's that. That's possibly, 
possibly the last time we saw any sort of real quirkiness, I think, from from Dougie there. I actually did watch that one the other day, and again, I sort of pushed me on the floor and pouring the water over me, and I just, you know, I don't remember filming that. Right. It's (laughs) starting to ring a bell now, but yeah. um, Right. But yeah, I think that was, that was after that, I think it was a lot of the storyline around Dennis and the bike stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it did sort of that. It was sort of you know Dennis had had the accidents. And it was sort of everyone's attitudes towards it, and everyone everyone not just Dennis learning to deal with it and and live yeah. with it because Dudley realised that Dennis had he need he needed to speak to Lucy about it all because obviously Dennis was quite bitter to, uh, about things and. That's when we first, we see that like quite sensitive side from Dudley saying, you know, you you've got to talk to her about about what's going on. And when Dudley and Dennis went for a walk, when Dennis had, I think Dennis had fallen down the stairs on his crutches at this point, so he was back in back in the wheelchair and feeling even more sort of sorry for himself. And he, Dudley was just talking to Dennis, and Dennis told him to shut up, but like quite angrily, not like in a jokey way. So Dudley says basically says to Dennis, "Look, you need to sort yourself out." And Claire, Claire had asked Dudley to do, asked Dennis, sorry, to do an interview for the school magazine. And again, it was Dudley was like saying, "This is a, this isn't a good idea. Dennis shouldn't be doing this." And it's again, it was just showing that he did have Dennis' sort of best interests at heart, which, like you said, we hadn't seen before. The quirkiness had sort of gone from his character, and he was, he was showing that, you know, he was a mate, and he wanted to look out for Dennis. Yeah, and as I say, I think it was good the character went in that direction. Yeah. But I think part of it was. The agreement, whether they'd, whether they'd foreplanned that and just sort of, you know, or whether it's something we agreed, I had any sort of influence over, I don't know. But yeah, yeah it was agreed they wanted to have him sort of mature a bit and show a bit more of the caring yeah. side of Dudley. Yeah. And another thing that happened in, the, in this uh, series was when there was talk of Lauren going to uh, Barbados, I think it was, and her grandmother came to the school and she's walking around, she gets to meet everyone, but then she sees Mr. Brisley. And she says, is this Dudley? And <laughs> Mr. Brisley asks the class, do I look like Dudley? And Dudley's line is, you wish. <laughs> Dudley arrogance coming back in again there. Like, and then we move on then to so like your last series, which was series 21. And it starts off with a caveman day for year sevens. But Dudley and Claire... Have gone to help out on that. Do you remember this one at all? It was fi- it was filmed in a, a park or some woods. In the forest. I, I do remember yeah. that one. Yeah, it was filmed in the forest. Yeah, um, I do remember that was a yeah. There's a bit where we're sitting on the log together. But, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's always got again. Yeah. Dudley, the the hopeless romantic. He was trying to make something happen, wasn't he? With with Claire, yeah. basically, you know, t- put his arm, trying to put his arm around there and. And all, but she was completely, completely oblivious to it all. And there's, a, and there's a bit where he actually says something like, "I was, you know, about being a bit more romantic." But she stands up, not realizing. And again, Dudley falls over yeah. again. It was his yeah. little, his little quirky moments. But one of the kids, Adam, had gone missing, and Dudley became involved in the search for that one. Can you remember where it was filmed? Uh, um, I don't. I mean, sometimes you just be popped on a coach and end yeah. up in the middle of a field somewhere unless you kind of knew where you were going or were paying attention then then no um right. i do remember that one was yeah we were, we were all taken there and it had your kind of typical you know uh-huh. dressing rooms and outside catering <laughs> and stuff like that so yeah, yeah that, i can't have no idea where that was Brilliant. probably okay. about an hour i remember they were normally sort of about an hour away from elstree studios right. So. Right. and they thought that they, there was a wolf on the loose in the premises, but it just turned out to be like a really old sort of mangy dog. And and they found the kid and obviously it was all sorted. Now, you, you mentioned earlier there was days when you just went in filming and you might have been in the background and that seemed to happen quite a bit in the Sixth Form series. Yeah. There wasn't really sort of any major storylines you were involved in, obviously, other than than, than uh, dealing with Dennis. Because there was things like where the, the Sixth Form common room was going to get turned into a study area for GCSE and A level students, so there was a little bit of a protest, but yeah. again, that 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 sort of got quashed. And, and then, but then the big thing again was still the Dennis storyline, and Dennis had his court date to go for his compensation claim, 
And Dudley wants to go with Dennis because he wants to show him that he was a mate. He wants to show him that he would be there for him. But Dennis didn't really want him, want him to go. And so he gave, you know, this this is of this shows you of the time. He gave he gave Dennis a mobile phone, which was his dad's mobile phone, because not everyone had mobile phones in in the late in the late nineties. Um, and he said it was just so he could contact them from the court, you know, to let them know anything happens. He said he said I know you don't want me there. But I just, I you know, I want you to know that that basically, I want you to know that I'm, I'm thinking of you. And then Dudley finds out that because Lucy had to go as a witness anyway, but he also found out that Claire was going to court. Dennis said Claire could go because Dennis was like, "Well, she asked and she wants to study law." And Dudley says, "This is like a party, isn't it?" And he he just didn't think, and it wasn't fair to be honest. I don't think it was fair that Dudley just wants to look out for him. He had no ulterior motive to go. He just wants Dennis to know that he he he'd be there for him. And even like the next morning, where the morning of the court case, Dudley rang him on the mobile phone. And when Dennis found out it was Dudley, he just hung up on him. And you just think, you know what? He, he's your mate. He's just trying to do, do, do right by you, basically. Maybe it was because he had been a bit quirky and a bit stupid in the past. And Dennis thought he wasn't going to take things seriously. I don't know. But maybe, yeah. I was going to ask. I don't know if there was an event. I think it, it was just one of those things that just deteriorated gradually, I think, yeah. wasn't it? Or... And then Dennis yeah, was right. Dennis got his out of court settlement for half a million, where, where they were all talking about what, what he should do with his money. And Dudley suggested, now this is Dennis that he's talking to, should, Dennis should buy a sports car. Um, <laughs> 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 which again, very, very, very Dudley, because, you know, not, not thinking, realising the fact that Dennis probably wouldn't be able to drive. And Dennis decides he's going to go on a trip across... Australia, so they have a, a surprise party which Dudley uh, takes him to the surprise leaving party that they have for him. And then that was the last time we saw Dudley in Grange Hill. And obviously, you did mention that there was a couple of times when you were going to leave anyway, but obviously, it was the right time for leaving because you'd done the two years in sixth form. Um, how how yep. did you feel about it at that point? Okay, so I think so. There, there was, I think, there was a period maybe. Um, not the last season, the season before, because I think for most of us, Grangeville wasn't an incredibly well-paid. I mean, most things on the BBC aren't, unless you're one of the big names. Um, it's more done for sort of prestige yeah. and exposure, and you know, everyone that does Grangeville will often go on to do other stuff, you know, and you know, being iconic and those sorts of things. But the thing that did sell it to you was because they used to, so that they'd pay you um, the contracts were negotiated based on the blocks. Right. So the, the six weeks of, of you know four episodes and you know recorded uh, rehearsed and then recorded, um, but what we all relied on was because also Grange will stop filming in October, right? So between October and April, you either went and got a normal job or you, you well, if you're lucky, you might have done some panto. You know, Anishay didn't like doing panto, so we didn't do that. <laughs> a lot of Grange folks did. Others might go and appear in other things, but um, when they used to repeat them in September, you would get eighty percent of your original contract. So that's kind of what made it worth worthwhile. Yeah. Um, I think they announced last minute, right, right towards the end of filming, that they weren't they they had lost um that they weren't gonna be doing the repeats in September anymore. Right, okay. Right. So instantly everyone had lost a great financial incentive yeah. that was working on it, right? Because you, you just weren't getting the residuals anymore. Um I think also what would happen is they would negotiate on a block and it didn't all Always matter how much you were doing. So in some cases, if I was in a block only recording, you know, bit parts, background characters, yeah. only there for two days, not even rehearsals because I haven't got a line, I would still get the same money. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of that they had quite a bit of tough negotiation in Grand Two offices when that came through for people wanting to renew. I think a lot of people, you know, either didn't want to come back or were asking for a lot higher fees and things like that. And my character being a sort of, you know, supporting character I didn't really have much negotiating power but right. I think we'd kind of agreed at the end of it that look you know we'll just not use you as much because yeah. I was asking for more money so they were like look, right. we'll, we'll just write your character out and we'll have you know, we'll have them in less so you've got to come in less but we'd like right. to sort of stay around until the end and I think towards the end it just became very it was all over that I, I sort of left my agent over it clearly wasn't interested in doing acting anymore right. and you know I think yeah. we just sort of agreed just to wind the character back, but I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have done anything unprofessional if they asked me to come in and do it. But I think it was just agreed right. towards the end for those reasons. And I think quite a few of the others were the same because you also found when you get towards the end of the season, they've used up all their budget. Right. Okay. Start, asking, start asking for more money at the end, and you know, you're, you're, so yeah, a lot, a lot of it was to do with that. I seem to remember, but it wasn't unique right. to me. Okay, so what did you do then when you left 
Um, so I sort of DJed for a bit, but nothing sort of serious full time. I think I'd realised I need to go and get another job. I mean, I was always doing bits of work in between Grainshaw anyway, just to support myself uh-huh. financially. You know, when you're 18 and 19, yeah. you're not working for six months of the year. You have to go and do other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I actually started doing agency work. I was doing a bit of anything and everything. Ended up working in factories and got a forklift license. I was driving a forklift for a while. Uh, then got um, bored of doing labouring work and decided to go and work in an office. So I started doing you know, call centre type work and things like that. All the while I've been teaching myself IT. I mean, I was even quite keen on computers when I was doing Grange Hill because a lot right. of time I'm in the rehearsal block, you could hang out with the crew and sit in their offices and I'd sort of sit and help them do design flyers and yeah. you know things like that. So I always had a bit of a flair for IT. Um, but yeah, then I ended up having my own company for a while, um, sort of doing local computer repairs. Um, ended up getting a job working for a company as an operations manager and IT manager, and then moved into, uh, fortunate enough to find a role where I moved into a high technology company, um, looking after their IT. Right. Um, they did all sorts of things like helicopters and aircraft, mm. energy, defense, electronics, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then from there, ended up moving into cybersecurity because I think that was at the point where it started to become something that was big that companies were waking up that they needed. So yeah. working doing cybersecurity for sort of government and banks and you know, defense oh, companies and satellite communications and that kind of stuff. And it was always a bit of a passion. So yeah. absolutely loving it. Yeah. So um, I kind of always knew if I wasn't going to do acting, it was going to be something in music or something in, in you know, IT. Yeah. I think for a little while I had my own music studio at home and sort of dabbled making some stuff. Natalie Tapper at the time came and did some recordings yeah. for me. She had a phenomenal voice. Yeah. So still got those somewhere. Um, probably even more precious now. But yeah. Um, but yeah, since then I've just been working doing cybersecurity and absolutely loving it. So so you're still doing that now, yeah? Life is, oh yeah, life is good. Yeah, still on the up. Brilliant. So yeah, working for working Brilliant. for a large bank at the moment, looking after all their, their cybersecurity. It's okay. Now you mentioned this a little bit earlier on, but are you still in touch with any of the cast? Um, not for not for a while. I mean, I know Kevin gave me a shout. gave me a shout out. I'm remiss. He actually did leave his details at my brother's pie and mash shop. My brother-in-law's pie and mash shop. And I, I, I don't think I think the last time I spoke to Kevin was maybe even up the MySpace days. Right. Wow. Um, but, but oddly, yeah, the people that I had spoken to from Grainshaw was was because talking to them through other people that I knew. So uh, Natalie, I stayed in touch with because she was good friends of a guy that I went to school with who moved right. up to my local area. So we ended up speaking to her. Uh, I worked with a lady not too long ago who's really good friends with Francesca. So we right. sort of exchanged messages for a while. But yeah, yeah. Um, since I've gone off Facebook, I've just don't. I mean, um, you, you've seen my Twitter account. I'm not, <laughs> not exactly obvious, right? So um, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, sadly not. And I, 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 I would like to. I mean, if there was an opportunity to, I would. It's often, sort of, unfortunately, a lot of these uh, reunions end up falling on days that I can't do or can be a bit of a thing yeah. to travel now so I've moved quite far out of London but yeah, yeah so I would love to I mean it's great this is why this show you do is so good because it's so good to hear their voices again and yeah. definitely great to hear some of them that have made you know great I mean Kevin obviously he's had a I think yeah. he, he won I think out of all of us he's had a <laughs> career and what he wanted to do but yeah good to hear Amy's doing the direct work and you yeah. know um, everyone everyone seems to be a uh, sort of back in the groove of normal life yeah. now Darren doing cab driving and all that. <laughs> yeah. so, this is why this is great for me. But yeah, I would absolutely love to love to get together. Although, as you can probably tell, I don't remember a lot of what happened. <laughs> I'm not sure what we talk about. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. You, you, from what you've said to me, your, your memory your memory's better than some people that have been on here. Uh, don't worry about that. Oh, really? okay. okay, then. So, Steve, we are coming towards the end. And uh, it's the same few questions that I always ask at the end of, of every episode. So, the Grangeville movie has been talked about a lot recently. What do you think of the idea of a Grangeville movie? Um, it's a good idea. I mean, it's obviously a big missing demographic of you know people that are probably un- under twenty that probably were never around when Grangeville was on the telly. Uh-huh. So you know, it, it must be sort of appealing to uh, to the original fans. So yeah. I'm assuming it's it's, it's going to be probably slightly more gritty than, than you'd put on at 5.30 or 5 o'clock in the, in the afternoon yeah. or in the evening. Um, but yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, obviously, there's still a great following for it. I've seen, you know, some of the responses and following you get on the channels and, mm-hmm. you know, the work that you do. So, the, you know, I think it all depends how it's executed. Isn't it somebody that was a, a former car? Yeah, Sarah Sugarman no, was in the, uh, the early series, amazing director, and she played Jess Samuels very, very early on. She's going to be directing it. Phil Redmond's uh, written it. So yeah, so it could oh, be. Oh, good, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and if we were, if you were asked, I'll definitely watch it. <laughs> would, would we see a return of Dudley Wesker if you were asked? Uh, I would say never say never. Depends on the schedule. You know, I've yeah. got a day job now. As long as they weren't having me eating at 
bins or anything, then I'd, I'd probably <laughs> consider it. But uh, I, I, I think with the limited time that they would have to, to shoot that, I think Dudley would be right down the bottom. In fact, I'm surprised you're, you're interviewing me now because there's so many other people that you haven't, you know, just figuring you were going to move on to the crew. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no! Don't be, don't be putting, don't be putting yourself down there, and definitely don't be putting Dudley down either. Yeah. Okay, then. So, other than Dudley, who was your favourite character on Grange Hill? Um, I think at the time my favourite character. I did. I mean, once I was realised I was going to be in it, I started watching it a bit more, and I think at the time um, Ray, like Kelly George's character, was obviously he was yeah. just great, great comedy role, great comedy time. I mean, he had that sort of charisma and personality. Not not a role that I could have played at all, but <laughs> but he was certainly my certainly my favourite favourite yeah. character at the time. I think coming into Brilliant. it, and Justine as well. Obviously, yeah. Justine was everyone's favourite. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you couldn't have played Dudley, was there any other character you would have liked to have played then? Um, like I say, I didn't watch it a great deal to know. But right. I mean, from my experience of it, I was always quite envious of. Um, Jamie and Alan's character, because they always seem to be doing the cool stuff. I was just there as a kind of comic relief. Like, there's a lot of stuff yeah. when I would look at the storylines that Alan played, you know, the whole thing with the wheelchair piece. And, you know, I, I think that would have been really, as someone that was interested in yeah. acting, that would have been a really good role to play. Um, uh-huh. But not, not jealous in any way, but I think, you know, <laughs> always, always at the time would have thought I'd prefer to your character than mine. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, then, sort of the final question, Steve, is why do you think then there is still such affection for Grange Hill? Uh, I mean, it was probably a huge part of people's childhoods, right? I think, you know, some of the emotional um, storylines and things, I think, you know, people you know, genuinely got into it. It wasn't just a background TV show. And I think uh-huh. even to the point I've made, the experience I've got was a large percentage of the fans actually thought it was a real school. Yeah. You know, this this was like a sort of real favourite of kids at the time. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's all about nostalgia. Um, I mean, I'm surprised if... Um, you know, I was in the show and I can't remember what happened 30 years ago that there are fans that still can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does amaze me. I don't get recognised much these days. I mean, interestingly, I was in a previous town that I lived in. I went to pick up a parcel and I went to the post office. The guy was working in there and he went, oh, when I saw the name on his parcel, I was wondering if it would be you. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, I mean, the fact that I even remembered my full name, I was quite blown away by it. And actually, even now, if Twitter and things were around when I was doing Grange Hill, I think I might have had a different attitude to the character because I think a lot of the feedback you would get would just be through fans, right? So yeah. it was, or, or people that liked the program or people at school, right? So it was often quite hostile. But I did get a couple of nice fan fan letters and I think, you know, some people felt the character really did touch them and made them feel less weird and quirky at school. You know, it was nice to know those things went on. Actually, since the days of Facebook and things, I've had nothing but nice messages from previous fans. And my my mum, bless her, likes to sort of monitor the old uh, Grange Hill discussion forums on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Let me know and everyone else knows every time they mention my character or Laura's. But um, yeah, it just seems there's a great affection for it. Still a lot of great feedback, you know. Yeah. be interesting to see. I mean, the, the interesting thing, I mean, going back to the film is if you're going to have it so that you've got a bunch of people that were probably, you know, school age in the 70s now watching a film that's about a bunch of school kids today. I don't know whether that would have the same thing. And we, I just yeah. if they're going to sort of try and play to the same audience, whether they're going yeah. to try and show that. I don't know. But, but yeah, people do still love it. Brilliant. Okay, well, Steve, it's been great talking to you. It's been really, really, really good to hear your experiences about your time on the programme. So thank you very much no. for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Neil. It means a lot. I mean, I want to thank you for all the work that you do. Obviously, the discussions yeah. we had earlier, the amount of research and time you put into this is incredible, really. And I think just for me, from a personal point of view, just, as I said, being able to hear you know, old friends and hear what they're doing again. So, um, yeah, really grateful for what you do. And I'll, I'll be an avid listener to any, any upcoming podcast. Probably not this one. Though. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, well, no, once again, thanks very much for coming on Steve and to anyone that's listening I'll speak to you next time cheers thanks bye bye